Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to our final episode of our Camp BNT series for the summer of 2023. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I know. And we have definitely had a wide array of feedback from you all. Most of it is like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Thank you. And then a few of you, I think, have been itching to get back to regularly scheduled programming Um, because the school year has begun for most of us, if not all. If you're one of those lucky people that starts after Labor Day, the rage I feel in my heart. Okay. Also, but most of those people were teaching in like July, so it's fine. I, okay. Fine. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. I I am right. I've always, I don't know. I've always felt very settled about like an August, a mid August return just feels fine. It's fine. But we're also out at Memorial Day. And I love that Mm. at the end of the year, it's much harder for me to hang on than it is for me to get excited about starting. So I mean, that's true. It's not like I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I I don't want to go back. I'm not like pulling the wool over my eyes here. I'm actually really excited to go back to school. I I know you are. Uh, Yeah. So like, that's fine. But it's also just kind of like, I think... I just want more beach days with my kids. Yes, of course that, we do. That don't have a bunch of tourists around because it's a Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, I just want it to be on a random Thursday. Actually, again. no, I don't know what you mean at all. So okay, sorry. that's not my life. Yeah, Is my San Diego showing? <laughs> a little bit. Little sometimes, bit, little bit. sometimes I forget to put on my sweater in my San Diego shows. <laughs> your, your tan lines are showing, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got sunburned last Dude. week. This has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. But I... I spent maybe, maybe a total of five minutes with my shoulder in the sun. And like, that was like four days ago and I still feel it. Wow. I know. That's brutal. It was bizarre. Because it was also like 9 a.m. I was like, what is happening right now? Wow. Yikes. Lathers on 70 SPF. Yeah. I, every time I go to see my esthetician, I get my lashes done and she's like, she does everything, right? Lashes, skin, everything. Mm -hmm. I talk to her about my skin and she's like, Yeah. Wear sunscreen. Yeah. I'm like, but don't I need some products? She's like, yeah, sunscreen. Sunscreen. And I'm like, why? Of all the generational things that I'm like, there are so many things that are going to be better because of what we've gone through and like yeah. our kids will get. Like one of those in terms of skincare is SPF. Like I never wore SPF and I played sports my whole life outside. I loved being outside. I, I was a swimmer. I swam yeah. outside in the months that we could swim up. No, my mom told me to, but like, it was not a big deal. It's like, you're a kid. Don't, who cares? And I didn't burn. I don't burn. So. Oh, I would get sunsick. Like I would get so no. burned. And so, I, but that honestly didn't happen until I was like an older teenager and in my early twenties, because I was like, sunscreen, what? Like I, my parents were always like, put on sunscreen. You fool. I mean, yeah. And so I did. Yes. Too. 
Yes. And, and then, out. oh no, the, that, that, tell you what, that Southern California intensity, man, it'll, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It'll I have just, you in bed for like a day with a fever. If you get, there are a lot it's of gross. genes that I inherited that I really wish I hadn't, but I have great skin and like now I'm paying the price for taking advantage of that. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Cool. I um... Anyway, everyone, wear your SPF. That is yes. our, this is sponsored by all SPF everywhere. By the sun. <laughs> we, by the, sun. the sun is the enemy. You know what is interesting, though, is that we are talking about generational things being passed down. And like things like, uh, you know, just skincare and knowledge. And like I come from people who are born and raised in Southern California. And so... SPF has just been a part of our lives forever, but I know that that's not always the case. So I'm trying to bridge the gap and I you didn't, are. I lost it. No, Help. you didn't lose it, but we're there. No, we're, 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 we're okay. Okay. Listen, today we are talking about, we are debriefing our uh, interview yeah, with the Liz. amazing Elizabeth Acevedo. Okay. No, and, but we're friends out. It's Liz. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. It's Liz. You guys, God, we're such geeks. Okay, so, and she's like, stop. <laughs> she's legitimately like, that is enough out of you. <laughs> I know. Well, that was um, such a uh, well, so we were able to absolutely devour her new novel, Family Lore. And this is a novel about intergenerational relations, intergenerational trauma, all of the things that happen with a multi-generational tight knit, but also like way spread out family. Yes. And it is, it's just so cool and it's so good. And the way she weaves these stories together are phenomenal. And we're excited because we've got some really cool ideas for units using the themes that we talked about last week when you were listening to that episode. We've got some cool ideas that you can bring into your classroom a lot of it, spoiler alert, has to do with look at the kids in front of you and look at what's right for them, right? Like content-wise, theme-wise, the questions that you're asking, look at what they are prepared for, look at what they are going to be able to like emotionally handle. Well, that's what that's what Liz in. talked about in the interview, right? Yes. She talked about when she writes for young people, when she writes young adults, she tries to, she says, hold them with care. And not that she's not holding people with care in this novel, but it's, it is definitely written from a different energy and it, it is for a different audience. And so since we teach the bridge, you know, we teach yeah. students who are sometimes ready for content like this and sometimes not, we want to share with you all of our ideas and then you can take those ideas and run with them or put them in your pocket for another year that they fit with a better, a different group. But we're going to just do our debrief. Like we've been doing all camp long, all summer long and give you all our thoughts and ideas and see if our conversation percolates something for you. Maybe not even what we talk about, but maybe something we talk about sparks an idea for you on a completely different unit. That's the whole idea of these debrief conversations. I will say though, to be really specific, if you are an AP literature teacher, <laughs> keep listening. This is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> if you're not an AP lit teacher, what Amanda just said absolutely applies. If you're an AP lit teacher, we got, we got you. you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is... You're in for a treat. Okay. You know what we have to do first? No. Cue the music.
You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, we are back. Last week, you spent a lot of time talking specifically about family lore, but I was so, I love the book. Absolutely. I don't know that I teach the course where I can bring this in in a mainstream fashion, but I can absolutely, I can name off the top of my head five kids that I had last year who would annihilate this book and in a good way. Like they would just, my little feminist babes would just jump in and all of those true voices coming. Oh my God, they would love it. And there were kids that would not love this uh, in classes that would not handle this the way it needs to be handled. So like we said before the intro, yeah, this is, this is important for you to read first. I can see where kiddos who are not uh, literary would have a hard time, not because it's like, oh my gosh, I just don't even know what's going on, but because there's a lot to hold on to as you're reading. You have to hold a lot of characters in your mind, which is not, I mean, that happens in a lot of books, right? But there's the weaving in and out. There's a lot of kind of like tongue in cheek, just almost gestures to the other generations that I think a less sophisticated reader is going to have a hard time with. And that's why this is an adult novel. And that's why I said before, hey, AP Lit teachers, (laughs) keep listening. (laughs) Because this is going to itch. Yes, this is going to scratch all of those contemporary lit itches that that College Board wants out of you, right? Like this is it. It's so good. I think especially, you know, when we talk about representation in that level of literature, a lot of times we're coming up short, especially with Latinas mm-hmm. and having full length works. It's, it's yeah. hard to find a lot of the Latinx writers that we find at that level, the AP lit level oftentimes are, are wonderful. Like I think about Garcia Marquez is one of my yeah. favorites. Um, I think about a lot of people, but most of them are men and most of them are still pretty old. They're not, there's not as much contemporary in terms of options. And I love that what she's done here, especially in that conversation is brought magical realism to the table in a contemporary novel. That is something that maybe I'm not reading enough, but is hard to find. It is hard to find. And it's hard to find in a way that has that really magical term literary merit, right? Like when I sit down at a table with English teachers and the words literary merit come up. I cringe every single time because I'm like, Ugh, how, how subjective do we have to be, right? But there is no question in your mind when you're reading right. this novel, Family Lore. The literary merit is there from like page one. Page one. And so in that, it takes a certain kid to be able to handle that merit and to be able to handle that merit from a contemporary lens because you're not doing a deep dive into history and then saying and when they talked about such and such time period often authors would allude no. to blah blah, blah. like no. it, 
there's not going to be there's not going to be a pre-reading study that's going to like lay out the map of all of the layers of what they're about to read. They need to be able to have enough wherewithal and enough like what do I want to say? Curiosity, observation, curiosity, yes. absolutely. But even just like awareness of the world around them, or yeah. be able to not understand everything they're reading and be able to investigate to yeah. be able to get into the layers of what they're reading. So it does take a certain kid. It takes a certain sophistication, like we were saying, and it takes, I think, also just a. I don't, what am I? My God, Amanda, what am I trying maturity. to say? Maturity. I think a maturity yeah, is yeah. a big part of it too. There are, I was telling Maria, like there are a lot of conversations that are kind of come out of this book that are going to be similar to what I see when I taught Handmaid's Tale and other types of like feminist forward contemporary literature. They are mm-hmm. not shy about female body parts, sex. I mean, these are conversations that you need to know that your kids are ready to handle. And I know that we're handling that in a lot of other literature. So that's like Marie said, that's just something to think about. The other thing to think about that if we're going to kind of stay in this AP lit arena, that one of the things that might be really interesting to consider if you're going to use this book would be to do a study of texts that do intergenerational work. So in Acevedo's book, we've got multiple narrators from multiple generations, all kind of braiding together this beautiful story. I have also thought like, I think, oh my gosh, what else could do this and what else has done this? I think In the Time of the Butterflies by Julia Alvarez has done this. Um, Homegoing. Yagasi Mm. has done this. Uh, I actually just finished another book the other week that was just unbelievable. And it's not exactly that, but it's very close. It's called Goodnight Irene by Luis Alberto Urea. Unbelievable. It's about the women who worked in the Red Cross during World War II and would serve coffee and donuts to the troops from like, Oh, yes. You were telling me about that one. Yes, yes, yes. And like, so that story, Mr. Urea, he, his father is Mexican. His mother is oh my gosh, from New York, from Staten Island. And like, it's like, it's her story. So like, it's a, it's a work of fiction, but it was like 20 years of research into his mother's life. But the story does begin with her at a young age, like taking the train down to DC, going through the whole war. And by the end, we are with her at her latest years. So like, she's seen the world through many generations of uh, of lenses. So I think that would be yeah. a really cool one to add to that list. And I think that whole conversation would be so beautiful to do a, something like a book, like a choice unit with that would be really cool. Well, I, yeah. What a cool way to bring, I mean, I, I can just picture the Socratic seminar, right? Right. Oh my gosh. I yeah. know you could just picture because everybody's got something to say. And and actually we're going to dig into kind of a unit makeover style. Cause that's what we've been doing with these debriefs that we, it works well for us. Got a different kind of an approach to it today, but I like Amanda's idea of another way to use this type of a novel and look at like intergenerational, look at like through the lens of family, through the lens of memory, through the a lot of the yes. things that we were talking about in our interview with her um, and a lot of the things that she really focuses on, I think would just like dive into it, right? And students are ready for that, actually. That conversation, almost more than anything they're ready for because they're finding their place in the world, they're finding their place in their own family and in their community, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's a great avenue to take. Especially when we're thinking about like the content, when we can offer choice that helps the right kid get the right book. Um, Still, all of those books that I mentioned are still books that I would keep likely in the same kind of arena, like 11th, 12th grade. Yeah. 
experienced, I wouldn't say good readers, I would say experienced readers. Sophisticated, right? It sophisticated, not just in skill. Not well, yes, there's the skill, absolutely, but also just like a knowledge of the world, right? Yes. And like the maturity thing that you were talking about and an awareness, I think, that not all of our I mean, some of our younger kids have, but not even all of our older kids have. Totally. Look at look at the kids in front of you, right? And maybe you can kind of help them like yeah. level up. Well, however, we have another idea though. We that do would have a really for- cool idea and I'm excited to talk through a vision board for it. I'm excited to like fumble through some EQs for it. You, go. It was your idea. We're going to fumble for real. I'm saying we, but it was your idea and I'm just going to ride your coattails. It was my unformed beginnings of an idea that we had 30 seconds before we hit record. So no, you're doing great, sweetie. Keep it going. Yes. But I think it's important for our listeners to know and be reminded if this is the first time you've ever listened to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're really here with you in the moment right now. Listen, when okay. we took a quick little moment after I said to cue the music, I was like, I have to chug this coffee because I'm talking so slow. And Amanda goes, Are you? And I was like, I mean, inside of my head, it is so slow. <laughs> So we are, we're here. (laughs) We are here. Okay. We're here here, in the moment, people. Yes. Yes. I want to come back to our friend Liz. So, (laughs) because really, wasn't she so cool? She was so cool. I know. Listen. And then when I like really realized that not just was she like a teacher for a hot minute, but she like understands what it is to be a classroom teacher. I was like, But then it's kind of like, no wonder. No yeah, Well, wonder. yes. And then you go, yes, of course you do. Yes. You understand where I'm coming from. And you understand where the babies that are in my class are coming from. Yep. Like, you just get them. Oh, okay. We, well, so when we contacted our friend Liz, you know, we had contacted her from our experience, which was her, right, her collection of YA from Poet X, Clap When You Land, and Fire and High, right? Those were the things that I know that listeners that you have read these, you've taught these, you love Mm -hmm. these. So here was kind of my thought is, yes, we interviewed her, we want to, we want to promote this amazing new book of hers. But there's no reason to forget the classics, right? Where she comes from, um, in our, where she comes from in our classrooms, right? She comes from a lot of places, but she comes in our hearts. That's where we first fell in love with her. So my thought was, wouldn't it be interesting to come up with some kind of an EQ where we could do an Elizabeth Acevedo book study and the author was the commonality amongst the book choices. Mm -hmm. Since we have four very different books from her, I think that we would be able to offer some really interesting choices. If family lore didn't fit, like that's cool. Like that's fine. We don't need to put it on the list. We can have the other three on the list depending on your group. But I think Acevedo's work to me needs to become more mainstream in schools. Hands down. I feel like it's happened for Jason Reynolds. I think it's happening for her. And I think the more we push, the more we start to change the high school, middle school experience of our students. And I think this will be a really interesting way to do it and to also incorporate choice. So what if we asked a question about, like Marie and I were just starting to think like, is it a question about craft? Is it a question about authenticity? Is it a question about voice? But I'm thinking about this in terms of of her books, but also the idea that we could really do this with a lot of authors. You could yeah. do this with, with a Jason Reynolds. You could do this with somebody who's got, you know, a, a solid list of options. And it would fill like this these like kind of little gaps in the year that sometimes we have these two three week mini unit 
areas? Or wouldn't this be a cool way to end the year? Like after all of the hullabaloo mm-hmm. of testing season is over. Uh, I don't know what the question is yet, but that's the general idea is to do an author study and offer all of the books from that author. I think that having an array, like like I'm looking right now at her website and I'm looking at the top row. She's got seven books on her site. One is a short story collection and then two are like guided journals and then the top four, like down at the bottom. And then the top four are Family Lore, The Poet X, With the Fire on High and Clap When You Land. And like you said, Amanda, pretty different, especially when you add in her latest publication, Family Lore. I think that it makes a lot of sense. Looking at the topography, shall we say, of kiddos in my class. I have kids who simultaneously take AP Lit and one of my courses just because they're like us and they're nerdy, right? Or they just can't get enough or whatever the reason. I have kids who could and should be in those much higher level English courses. I teach all general ed, by the way, everybody, like no AP, no honors. And I teach a lot of SPED collaborations. Mm -hmm. So I have an extremely wide array of students both skill level, just mindset, like a familiarity and relationship to school. The whole thing is a very wide, diverse array of children. And so having this kind of a, like this would meet a lot of their needs. We've got like poetry. We've got novels and verse. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, yes, yes. Novels and verse all the way up to a text that was kind of a challenge for me to read because I'm not used to it, right? So That I think is such a rich collection for what you're talking about, which is like, I I would look at this as trying to define or trying to mm, articulate what is the elusive voice of an author, right? Like we always say, and, and colleges tell us that students have lost their voice because they're just kind of recreating things. And like AI, oh my God, like AI can just recreate somebody's voice, but like, can it? Let's talk about what makes the human human and a person writing stories. What is it about that that is so special, that has endured through thousands and thousands of years of like us reading the works of others? What is it about voice that connects I don't know. Now I'm just kind of spitballing to see nope. if we can get to a question. Well, we, and we might, we might not. Cause I'm also, I'm listening to you and like our listeners are listening. We're all listening. Oh. And I'm also thinking <laughs> that maybe, maybe the question is actually about theme okay. because I wonder, right. Cause like if we're going to, if, and so part of my like vision of this unit, which is a baby vision, right. We remember this baby vision was that we would have kids all reading the same books, right? There would be there would be uh, a book club or a, a group. Your first group would be your, I'm thinking Jigsaw, right? Like your- Yes, your ex- I, I was thinking expert, of Jigsaw as well, right? yeah. Your expert group, you're the expert in Clap When You Land, you're the expert in Poet X, whatever. Um, you're your expert group. But then there are also days where we're going to get together with people who are reading Acevedo, but a different text. And it would yeah. be really cool for those days to be the days where we're trying to find the threads threads being themes, like what are the things that Acevedo is trying to consistently convey about the human experience from her? It's, I think that, I think the voice question is like after, right? It's like, yeah, I was just going to say, I think that what you're getting at is much more tangible for students. I mean, hell it's more tangible for us, but like, it's more, it's a better scaffold, right? Like it's a stepping stone towards talking about something that's big and lofty, like voice. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that they'll. To... I, think, I think that they can arrive at voice if they go the route of you need it. Yes, yes. Because that would be and like and I think theme is hard to teach. So wouldn't and and I I oh man the soapbox can get real theme tall for is me. and isn't hard to teach. Here's the thing, theme is easy to teach when you're looking at something that is knocking you over the head, right? Like theme, yes. boom. But when you are connecting dots of theme across different works and across genre, even that's when it gets dicey. And there's really no middle ground. Like it's like you have no. it, you're on it, you're good to go because you are reading whatever text, The Outsiders, and you've got the theme of, I don't know, family. I I, I don't know why The Outsiders is what I said. I don't know either. I have I, no earthly clue not, why not that, our that is what, not our, and like nowhere near <laughs> me, like not in the room around me, not on a tab, not one of the 30 tabs I have open. Absolutely no idea. But like that, that, you know, it's like right there in your face theme. And then you jump up to like 11th or 12th grade and you're kind of like, I don't want to teach them the same way that a seventh grader learns about theme, but also like there's no middle. Like it's <laughs> well, and the way that standards about theme are written, yeah, written like we can just teach it in a two day lesson and check it off a list. Like it is, like you said, it's it's recursive. We have to teach theme many times, but I think that that this would be a very cool way to like intentionally mm-hmm. get at theme because this isn't we have- teaching theme. This is exploring theme because you get to that point where you're no longer teaching theme. Like we all know what a theme is. But it's exploring and asking questions about and diving into and helping. And I think that those lessons could be, since they're going to be in book clubs, right? They're going to have all the reading done. I think the the teacher instruction then becomes finding the language to craft those original types of thematic statements and and getting there through the group effort of saying, hey, the theme doesn't count if it's only happening in your book, like it does. But we're looking for but universal for this study. Yeah, 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 for yeah. This study. That would be very cool, collaborative, student centered way to do that. I mean, I don't know. It also sounds like a lot of work, but that. But I think I think there. I mean, like <laughs> consider, considering eleventh and twelfth grade is where I've been quite a bit lately, like in the last handful of years. I think that they're ready for that. And I think it would be juicy. It would it would put them in a in a space without AI. It would put them in a space where they had to work really work together genuinely. And I I don't know. They'd really kind of just be on their own in a way that I think that they want to be. I do too. I, I like know. it. Okay, just throw that. I don't. You don't need any more ideas for next year. I know nobody listening here needs more ideas, but no, they do. That's why they're here. I mean, yeah, I guess. Because sometimes but. it's just a matter of like, you know what? I already love what I do, but I like this more. So this is exciting to me. Let's do this. That's okay. The other thing wasn't a waste. It's just done. like it's done for now. No. And I think it's I think and I do think a unit like this could be done quickly. It yeah. doesn't need it it needs about the length of time it takes to read the book and the work happens along the way. I, I don't think it needs to be long. Okay, so like I don't know how many supplementals are going to go into this either. I think that the supplementals are maybe there doesn't need to be. I think that like if I'm reading the Poet X, then my supplementals are with the fire on high, clap when you land, and family lore. You know what I mean? And they're the excerpts that I'm getting from my heterogeneous group. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then I'm going back to my homogenous group, my expert group, or whatever it is that we're talking about to pick those passages in order to say this is what really represents this moment in the text for us and then bring it to my jigsaw group. I like that we're just calling it a giant jigsaw. 
That's a giant jigsaw. It's the biggest jigsaw you ever saw. We talked with Liz in happy hour quite extensively about other units and like the dream units that she'd want to teach and uh, if she ever could. So if you if you are a member of happy hour, make sure that you've listened to that episode because that's going to give you even more ideas to percolate. Uh, if you're not a member of happy hour, come on over. You would the love this extended fine. interview. Yes. It is fine. But I, I'm, this would be cool with Poe. I'm thinking, like, well, who are the other authors we have, like, that even if we couldn't get novels together, that we could do, like, a short story collection, or we could do, like, there's a lot of available free text. Uh-huh. Pope comes to mind first, because we have all of his stuff. And, like, that would actually be a much more interesting way to do Poe than everyone doing the same story. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he, I don't know, that'd be kind of fun. Asking that question, like, an author's craft question, a universal truths thematic yeah. How do we figure out theme by everyone reading a different Poe short story? That'd be kind of cool. So that I could do next year, you see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you see here. See. Puzzle me this. Actually, I could do this one next year, too. I'm doing American Lit, dude. Like, I, this is cool. I mean, I, I, that Reynolds comes to mind, too. I feel like he's got so many... Yeah. Uh, because he's got even younger, like I think like Ghost Boys is even even more accessible if you're at like the yeah, middle Yeah, because it's like middle grade. Yeah. Yep. 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 Eventually, our friend Diana Lopez probably could do it too when she has more in mm-hmm. her series published mm-hmm. too, which would be really cool. Yeah, I love I think this. What I love about looking at this collection of Acevedo works is, I, I said it earlier, the the array. Yeah. And the, and the like... Uh, just the approachability or the accessibility, right, of different skill levels and interest levels. And I give a kiddo who is a very reluctant leader a novel in verse, Clap When You Land, and they can finish it in half the time that they even thought it would nearly yeah. take. And that confidence boost. Yeah. And they're getting poetry. And it's this very rich story of the two sisters. Like it's just, um, and they have something to talk about when they sit down with their group and. And uh, you putting that into an American lit course is so important. Yeah, I agree. We don't talk about that enough, but we, maybe we need to, maybe we need to have some more American lit conversations, but like the books we choose and then define as American lit again, let's let the soapbox volumes. We'll talk about inclusion. Yes. We, we need to talk about that in our departments. How are we defining American Lit by the books that we're choosing? What are we set? What message are we sending to our students? So just solve that problem with an Elizabeth Acevedo unit. The end. Done. Next. Coffee refill. Ready yes. for that. Absolutely. I loved, I loved Camp BNT. I think this is the end of this conversation before it gets off the rails. Cause I know I did too. Thinking of more ideas, but I loved camp. This was so fun. We spoiler alert are on the phone with a couple other authors for the fall. And we are going to start working very soon on next year's camp offerings because this is going to be, this is a thing. Like this, being able to, this is what we said at the very beginning of the summer and the very beginning of this series, depending on when you're listening to it. We want to be able to pre-screen as many things for you classroom teachers as we possibly can. I know too well how hard it is to, when you're in it, especially to find new, like, I know I need new texts and I've heard really good things about this and this and this, but I don't know enough. And I don't have the time to read all three of them before then trying to offer them to students. So we want to like get, get in there in the middle and, and pre-read them in a more 
in-depth kind of a way so that you've got more information and you know, like if you've got time to read one book and you've got three choices in front of you, we can help you make that decision as to which one you're going to read so that you're not wasting your time. No, we're here for you. Yes. Friends, thank you for joining us on this journey. We want to like, we will say it again and again and again, but we could not be more appreciative to the authors who spent their time, not just with us here, but also like talking up BNT, talking up this amazing community and like sharing these episodes with their own followers and their own communities because they really are just worthy of your time reading their novels and their uh, PD books and just their work in general, but also they're, they're here for the good reasons, right? Like they're, they are here to support people, to support teachers, especially in our pursuit of supporting our students, <laughs> the sweet little darlings. I know. So thank you everybody who made this possible and we can't wait for more. That's it. The end. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe we're at the end. I know. We're excited for starting season six is coming your way. Of the podcast. I know. We've done a little bit funny things with our seasons. We've gone by like semesters. If some of you are going, wait a minute, didn't they start in 2020? Yes, we did start in 2020. And because we are educators and because we literally don't know how to live if we're not on a bell schedule, our podcast seasons go by semesters. And we're going into our sixth semester. My gosh. Sixth season. Can't even handle it. Friends, thank you for listening. If you would like to just hear more BNT, if you want to get your hands on some of our free, well, free to our happy hour members, monthly resources. Speaking of voice, we had a great one in July that talked about voice. It talked about like investigation and developing characters and it was it was a pretty goldfish. My my lesson was all about goldfish and goldfish serial killers. That was fun. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a weird, that's, that's an interesting lead to just bury right in here, but that's okay. Anyways, we would love to <laughs> come on over to happy hour. I come don't on know. over to happy hour and find out what that she's talking about. Uh, head to the show notes or go to bravedyteaching.com slash happy hour. We'd love to have you. And uh, regardless, we will see you back next week with a brand new episode. And yeah, until we meet again, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.